To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by pbandjoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks, and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. Bored housewives, so they're generally hitting Moscato too because they need something sweet in their lives because their husband is sour. That ring on your finger? Some pygmy died digging that out of a hole for you to say I do and ruin some guys like yeah look at that dude he's got a hernia shaped like a bag of pretzels that he just you're ate. going to Thailand you're going to smash some dude going over there for guy time but it's not with his buddies what does it say on the bottle well if it says that on the bottle why did you put it on your head all these actors did was shut their mouths because they didn't want to be run out of Hollywood now a bad batch of Chinese food has you blowing insurance premiums on vitamin f- D. Too much. That's who we're I going sound like Bill Mar. Really, John? Really? really? We can't do this anymore, Auntie. I'll see you at the bar mitzvah. It's almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f- yourself. Here, positive sarcasm.com recording here from the spare parts studio. Hey, welcome to all the new subscribers, listeners, and whether you're listening, whether you're watching, available where uh anywhere where where podcasts are available. Am I slurring my speech already? Maybe I'm getting old, having a stroke. Anyways, you can find me where the social medias are: Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. You can also email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. You can also go through my website, positivesarcasm.com, and you can go ahead and contact me through there. Uh, also, donate through that channel, positivesarcasm.com, sarcasm.com, slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. That website is full of wonderful tidbits. Some of it, some, some, a bit more vindictive than others. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. We have officially made it to the end of the summer. Cheers to those of you, the workers, the family man, the single mother, the people who continued to work, the people who got laid off and found ways to work, to the work-from-home people who braved through the bullshit phone calls every single day, to those people who had to find new places to live, to those lives that were changed forever, all of you who found a way to make it work, who made it work who continue to find ways to try to make it work, although things are maybe not working completely in their favor. As long as you're trying, as long as you're trying so hard to make your own dreams come true and taking accountability for your actions, I salute you. I drink to you. I appreciate you. 
You inspire me, and I hope that me, in my stupid little way, inspire you. I will never lie to you. I will never abandon you. I will always answer your questions. I will try to be as honest and transparent as possible. I will do everything I can to make sure that I check my sources, that I'm tr honest with my opinions, that I g put up good articles, that I make good content, or I try to make better content every single day. No, I haven't been drinking, at least not that much. Um, I appreciate it, and I applaud you for getting through such a bullshit year. If 2020 wasn't weird enough, 2021 did not make things easier with going forward and then backing off and then opening up and then locking back down and then you having to do this and then otherwise you couldn't do that. Having to leave your state because you didn't like its policies. Having to not deal with family members because they were too divisive or divisive. Whatever it was that was plaguing your existence, I hope that you found a way to figure it out and persevere through it and move towards a better place in your life. I hope that you were able to make the sacrifices needed that hopefully weren't too damaging to your soul so you could get to that better place. I'm sure there were challenges that you weren't expecting. I'm sure there were loved ones that questioned why you were trying so hard for these things that didn't make sense to them. Life never makes sense to oneself, let alone the existence of somebody else trying to figure out their existence. You're never going to know why you're truly here other than to find out why you're truly here. And you're never going to know what you really want so, so much or want to work so hard to, for, excuse me, uh, um, until it, it, every time you see it, every time you wake up next to it, every time you come home to it, every time you're finished with it or you sweat from it or you drive it or you drink it or you eat it or you smoke it or you get paid from it, or you get the reactions from the content you created about it. Cheers. My congratulations to you on an, a year that if you made it through and you didn't call yourself a victim, I congratulate you, and I cheers to you in whatever language you see fit. So, And to those of you that have subscribed to my channels, have subscribed to my new channels, who appreciate my content for what it is. Not great, but getting better. Solid and improving. Somewhat sporadic. Thank you to those who listen and watching. Watching. Thank you to listen. Those who listen, watch, subscribe, share, donate. On whichever platform it is. However you choose to ingest it. As long as you're ingesting it. Right, Chase? Right, buddy boy? Who's my good boy? Hey, what are you doing? Hey. Hey. What are you doing? Okay, I won't bother you. He had a day. He had a day himself. He was a little. He got a little too hot, and uh, I had to cool him down. I had to pour pour some water on him. He's a re he's one of the reasons I work so damn hard. Well, he's probably one of the few reasons I work so damn hard. But um, enough of that bullshit. We got to get into some stuff. I got some stuff that I got to talk about. I got some people that need to be held accountable. Because that's what we do here. Now, I'm sure you've heard all the hubbub about this is this this matters because I was going to talk about the initial uh, 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 news that came out of this. 
But just recently, courtesy of my nephew, who if I ever made a solid amount of money, I would hire on as some type of producer for this freaking uh, for this particular channel. Um, it's about the OnlyFans thing. If you guys don't know what OnlyFans is, OnlyFans is a subscription-based application that allows you to see explicit content, but for subscription only. And millions of waitresses and Home Depot and Best Buy workers um, flocked to this website so they could show off some of the, a lot of their tidbits and take personal requests. And you know what? If nothing else, if for nothing else, make a living for themselves. Some people significantly. And until recently, they were planning on banning, uh, well, from what I've seen, either some, most, or all sexually, sexually explicit content. And, I mean, I know what you're thinking. You're going to see a lot of applications with very short resumes showing up for um, entry-level positions at your hospital or at your, or at your store or outlet or for your farm or for your school aides. And you'd be like, um, what did you do uh, before this? I was, uh, I created content on the internet. Uh, yeah, so that would have been, um, I mean, imagine you're, all of a sudden you get a, uh, a resume on the top that says Bella Delphine. I'm sure that would raise some eyebrows and some, and some, and some, uh, and some pant threads. But just recently, and we'll read into it a little bit more, according to the Associated Press and various other outlets, there has been a reversal of this decision. And maybe we'll dive into it a little bit more, or maybe we'll just let it be and we'll move on to the next, uh, the next article, but we will read into it for sure. So according to the Associated Press, OnlyFans reverses the explicit content ban after outcry. After outcry. Now look, the only thing that OnlyFans has is subscription-based content, and the only reason it exists is for explicit fetishized content. That's why it exists, specifically for that reason. Without it, nobody would care about OnlyFans. Nobody. It was like Tumblr. People would go to Tumblr to see interesting artwork and, por and softcore porn. Now that Tumblr doesn't do that anymore, nobody gives a shit about Tumblr. Not that I really even cared about Tumblr to begin with. So according to the article, OnlyFans says it has suspended a plan to ban successfully, 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 sexually explicit content following outcry from its creators and advocates for sex workers. Hold on. The subscription site said in a prepared statement Wednesday that the plan ban was, quote, no longer required due to banking partners' assurances that OnlyFans can support all genres of creators and declined to answer further questions. OnlyFans has said la um, had said last Thursday that it would plan that it would ban sexually explicit content starting October 1st, blaming policies of banks and payment processors for the policy change. Quote, the new rules are necessary to comply with the requirements of these financial institutions and the only way to help ensure the long-term sustainability of OnlyFans, the company said in a message to users last week. OnlyFans has become famous as a place where sex workers can get paid in a safer way, as well as space for celebrities to interact with fans, mostly sex working. Last week's abrupt change upset the site creators, many of whom threatened to move to another website. Well, they didn't have a choice. They would have to move to another website because they can't get paid there. 
A lot of sex workers joined OnlyFans during the pandemic when an in-person venue shut down or became more dangerous because of COVID-19. The site had been tremendously lucrative for some people, allowing them to earn thousands every month. Very, very true. One of the producers of the Fighter and the Kid podcast is making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on OnlyFans just with feet fetish stuff. And more power to Kit or Cat. Cat, that's her name. Excuse me. Kitty Cat. OnlyFans says it is a 130 million users and 2 million creators who have collectively earned $5 billion. Lacey Lennon, who says she makes tens of thousands of dollars a month from OnlyFans, charging $100 a minute for custom videos, remains skeptical, skeptical on the band's reversal. Quote, what's scary is that is what's safety on this. What? What's scary is what's the safety on this. How do we know it won't happen again? Okay, that makes more sense. There are other sites where people can pay for porn. And the crop of new ones starting to lure, trying to lure upset OnlyFan creators. Rapper Tiga, T-Y-G-A, if you haven't heard of him, was promoting his plans for a new platform called MyStar in media interviews after OnlyFans announced their ban, saying, we're putting a limit to any, we're not putting a limit to any content that you do. Quote, we've been in the adult industry for 20 years and we're tired of seeing sex workers get bullied and ex- exploited by the platforms that make the money off them said Maddie McCoy, whose Nevada company is also developing a site that could offer an alternative to OnlyFans for sex workers called Naughty Popcorn. I like that name, Naughty Popcorn. Sounds like a like a, a popcorn flavor you buy at the store. Advocates for, have had criticized OnlyFans' planned ban, saying that they were concerned it would push people into more dangerous street-based sex work. They say taking it away a safer virtual space and cutting people's income makes them more vulnerable to the risk of being trafficked. Quote, not having the the online outlet is going to hinder and harm a lot of people. Online is much safer, particularly for trans and gender non-conforming folks. Said Lala Zanel, the ACLU's trans justice campaign manager who leads the rights group's effort to decriminalize sex work. I don't know, that fucking quote literally solves nothing, but okay, let's keep going. The online porn industry is changing amid concerns about sex trafficking and the exploitation of minors. Two 2018 laws, the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act and the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, were meant to stop sex trafficking online and led to some spaces to shut down. But many sex workers say these changes have also made their jobs more dangerous. These changes have also made their jobs more dangerous. Elected officials have also raised concerns about OnlyFans. A bipartisan group of over 100 members of Congress called on the Justice Department to investigate OnlyFans earlier in August, saying the site was a major marketplace for sexual videos with children in them. The letter cited anti-porn group National Center on Sexual Exploitation, which says its origins in the faith-based group Morality and Media as a source, as well as the National Center for Missing and Exploited exploited children. Sex workers and their advocates say conservative and religious groups are trying to erase sex from the internet under the guise of combating sex trafficking and child pornography. The only reason, quote, the only reason they're going after porn sites is because they're ideologically opposed sexual content. This is an ar- this is this is arguable for sure. Says Kathy Reisenwitz, a writer and OnlyFans creator who makes between sixteen hundred and thirty five hundred dollars a month on the site. Trafficking and porn are totally different. Okay. Well, you get the idea of it. They have, they were gonna ban the site. They were gonna ban the, they were gonna ban the juicies. 
because the bank said, no, we're not going to allow you to use our payment processing platform to pay the, for this type of content. And then they, and then everybody in the site said, hey, what the fuck? Because, and then OnlyFans went, wait a minute, we're not going to exist. And they went to the payment processing sites and said, hey, what the fuck? We're not going to exist, and you're not going to make those fees. And then the banks went, hey, what the fuck? We want that money. And then, well, here you go. Now, this is one of those things that you see, like, when you get all those emails saying PayPal is changing some of its policies, Google Pay is changing some of its policies, or or, or, or Venmo is changing some of its policies as far as how it transacts money, if they find out that you're transacting it due to, like, sex work or something like that, they'll ban you from the payment platform. If they don't like the content that you're creating or the reason you're doing or the reason you're getting paid, they will kick you off of their payment processing pla uh, uh, platform. And these are one of the issues that a lot of creators had uh, back in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Because, um, be like, say you ha you're, you're paid through PayPal, and PayPal says, we don't like the content you make. We, don't, we won't allow you to make to use our shit anymore. You can't get paid through PayPal. And then um, uh, Venmo says, hey, same thing, because I think Venmo is owned by PayPal. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, MasterCard. Hey, same thing. Now, that's a very slip, like many other things, a very slippery slope. Very slippery slope. Now, in my opinion, if it's legal, even though private companies do what they want, look, private companies do what they want, when it's a pro but when it's a private company as big as MasterCard or Visa or, well, those two specifically, because it's not easy to just get an American Express. American Express, you have to get to work on it for a couple of years, make sure you got some decent credit. But as far as a Visa, a MasterCard, or a Discover card, those are utilities. You know, Discover don't mean shit. But those are utility-based credit cards. Their 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 payment processing platform is used through all for all credit cards. So to be denied is to essentially be denied a debit card saying that you have to walk around with cash only, which isn't a bad thing, but it's it's oppressive for sure. Now, in my opinion, if it's legal in the United States, because I don't give a shit about any other country, I don't give a fuck about Canada, I don't give a fuck about New Zealand, I'm talking about the United States. I live here. And, and in my opinion, if it's legal in the United States, that's the end of it. I don't want you making all these fucking stupid-ass laws that really harm like a, a website full of these people that I don't really know and uh, doesn't concern me. And even maybe if whether I agree with what they're doing or not, this is what they have to do in a time where the, con the economy was, in my opinion, illegally shut down. They had to find a way to make money. And this is what they chose to do. So good kudos to them. And maybe, and I'll give the shadow of the doubt, shadow, I'll give the benefit of the doubt to OnlyFans because of the fact that they had no choice. They were, you know, quote, pushed baby into the corner 
and they had no choice to say we had to change up our strategy as a website. Now, look, I mean, be as it may, OnlyFans bans sexually explicit content. They're going to, eventually, OnlyFans will probably die a miserable death, maybe. I mean, uh, although I have to say Facebook is still alive and well. Instagram's alive and well. T- Twitter is alive and well. I wish them all miserable deaths. But OnlyFans maybe has a bright future or could die a miserable death. But by banning explicit content, they don't have a chance in hell. That's what their platform's built on. That's what their platform's based on. Without it, they don't matter. They're nothing more than a, Vitor- than a Victoria's Secret website. And that is has no value in today's market. And they will eventually just, well, it will collapse their payment structure. It will collapse their revenue. They will not exist as a company. And that would be the end of that. That would be the end of OnlyFans. So for them to reverse course this quickly and push back on the payment process of saying, hey, this is what we're based on. You agreed to this. This is what these people do. Fucking pay them or allow their payments to be processed. Good on them for doing that. Reverse course on it. Maintain your, uh, or rebuild your integrity saying, hey, we fucked up. We heard from you guys loud and clear. We're not gonna, we're not gonna allow this to happen again. Or say, fuck you to whomever these payment processors are and go find another one. Go find another one. There are other companies out there that maybe they'll pay you in cryptocurrency. Or maybe they'll pay you through another payment processing platform. There's plenty of them. There's plenty of them. You just got to sign on to them and you're good. You're That's it. That's all. That's all. Boom. Done. So that is courtesy of AP News. Shout out to my nephew to letting, uh, for letting me know because I was off doing other stuff, getting ready for new content on different channels. And uh, yeah. I was made aware of this all of a sudden change in heart. And uh, I'm good. I like when the creator is heard. Not just heard, but responded to in a positive manner. So, what are we at? 19 minutes? Oh, let's bang out another article. This was sent to me. Uh, this was also another article sent to me by request. Um, so, the requests are coming in. Now, I've talked about pharmaceutical companies getting their shit pushed in with major fines. We talked about the oxycodone crisis and that company getting basically torn to pieces. I mean, fine-wise and basically the company being taken over and shut down. And this is no exception. Now, I'm sure you've heard of this company by now. I, I'm, have you heard of a company called Pfizer? Pfizer? You know, they, cre- they created uh, something called the mRNA vaccine. Um, well, look, I'm, I'm a skeptical Thomas when it comes to pharmaceutical companies in general. I don't think they're out for the benefit of the public. I think for the most part, they gotta just, they gotta sell pills. That's what they do. And before this whole shit show started in 2020, there was other things that they were up to. Okay. And whatever they try to create something, they're trying to push it on people. They're trying to get the Food and Drug Administration to pass their shit so they can push it off on doctors so they can make their billions and billions of dollars. And sometimes they get caught with some shitty product and they got to pay a serious fine. Now this one, according to the, the, U, the United States Department of Justice, 
is the largest healthcare fraud settlement in history. I don't remember the last. I have to look at the last one. The OxyContin uh, fine. That was a pretty hefty one. This one starts with a B. $2.3 billion fraudulent marketing, which is pretty much everything that pharmaceutical companies do. Pretty much all of it is fraudulent. And this one is all about Pfizer. So we'll dive right into it. Uh, the American pharmaceutical giant Pfizer and its subsidiary Phar uh, Pharmacia and Upjohn Company <clears throat> excuse me, have agreed to pay $2.3 billion dollars the largest healthcare fraud settlement in, hist in the history of the Department of Justice to resolve criminal and civil liability arising from the illegal promotion of certain pharmaceutical products, the Justice Department announced today. Pharmacia and Upjohn Company have agreed to plead guilty to a felony violation of the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act for misbranding Bextra with the intent to defraud or mislead. Bextra is an anti-inflammatory drug that Pfizer pulled from the market in 2005. Now remember, some you're like, what? 2005 is a long time ago. Well, no fucking shit, it was a long time ago. It's the fact that a lot, all these companies have major, major, major legal teams and legal departments, and it can take decades to resolve this stuff. Decades. And sometimes the punishment doesn't fit the bill. Anyways, 2005. Under the provisions of the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, a company must specify the intended uses of a uses of a product in the new drug application to the FDA. Once approved, the drug may not be marketed or promoted for so-called off-label uses, i.e., any use not specified in an application and approved by FDA. Pfizer promoted the sale of Bextra for several uses and doses that the FDA specifically declined to approve due to safety concerns. The company will pay a criminal fine of $1.195 billion, the largest criminal fine ever imposed in the United States for any matter. Pharmacia and Upjohn will also forfeit $105 million for a criminal total, total criminal resolution of $1.3 billion. In addition, Pfizer has agreed to pay $1 billion to resolve allegations under the Civil False Claims Act that the company illegally promoted four drugs, Bextra, Geoden, an antipsychotic drug, Zyvox, an antibiotic, and Lyrica, an anti-epileptic drug, and caused false claims to be submitted to a government healthcare program for uses that were not medically accepted, indications, and therefore not covered by those programs. Now, when you generally, these prescriptions, these medications, were not subscribed just by themselves. Generally, if you get an anti-epileptic medication, you generally get subscribed for something else due to the fact that these medications have significant side effects. And I had a client, a health client, who would take anti-epilepsy medication and would still get fucking seizures. The civil settlement also resolves allegations that Pfizer paid kickbacks to healthcare providers to induce them and prescribe these, as well as other drugs. The federal share of the civil settlement is 668. Wait, what? The federal share of the civil settlement is. Oh, this is a holy shit. That's a number. 668 million five hundred fourteen thousand eight hundred thirty dollars, and the state Medicaid share of the civil civil settlement is 331 million four hundred eighty five thousand one hundred seventy dollars. 
This is the largest civil fraud settlement in history against a pharmaceutical company. As part of the settlement, Pfizer also has agreed to enter into an expansive corporate integrity agreement with the Office Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services. That agreement provides for procedures and reviews to be put in place to avoid and promptly detect conduct similar to which gave rise to the matter. Now, when it talks about kickbacks to healthcare providers, it's plain and simple. Pharmaceutical sales rep walks into an office, wants to talk to some of the doctors, say, look, we got some drugs here. This is what they're designed to do. If you push these on the clients that have these ailments, we will give you kickbacks. Whether it's tickets to a football game, golf course membership, or just straight cash, homie. This, Whatever it is, that's what a kickback is, and that's what these pharmaceutical sales reps give out. And that's why some of these doctors make shitloads of money and their paychecks aren't necessarily signed by the clinics or hospitals that they work for. Whistleblower lawsuits filed under the Quitam, Quitam provisions of the False Claims Act that are pending in the District of Massachusetts, the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, Eastern District of Kentucky, trigger this investigation. As part of today's resolution, six whistleblowers will receive payments totaling more than $102 million from the federal share of civil recovery. Let's see, today's landmark settlement is an example of the Departments of Justice ongoing and intensive efforts to protect the American public and recover funds for the federal treasury and the public from those who seek to earn a profit through fraud. It shows one of the many ways in which federal government, in partnership with its state and local allies, can help the American people at the time when budgets are tight and health care costs are increasing. This said the Associate Attorney General Tom Pirelli. The settlement is a testament to the type of broad, coordinated effort among federal agencies and with our state and local partners that is the core of the Department of Justice's approach to law enforcement. This historic settlement returned nearly $1 billion to Medicare and Medicaid and other government insurance programs, securing their future for the Americans who depend on these programs. Now well, look, I believe, what was it? If you had a claim, 85% of that profit had to go back to Medicare and Medicaid. It's, Medicare and Medicaid, uh, it pays out. Like, you got to pay out. And it, it, I don't know. I, I worked for health. I worked in the health insurance business since fucking for 13 years, and uh, it's a giant mess. I've been in health insurance. I've been in durable medical equipment, and I've been I've worked for a hospital, and it's a goddamn mess. It's a goddamn mess. An overpriced, uh, diluted, confusing, backbreaking, wallet raping mess. And it's not going to get any better, especially lately. So Pfizer got the shit pushed in for $2.3 billion. In the midst of a fucking pandemic of lockdowns and, and mandates and all kinds of other bullshit, this is Pfizer in the middle of that. So when things, you know, when other methods like uh, monoclonal antibodies or ivermectin or just overall betterment, a, a better control of your own health and wellness should be pushed. We're instead forcing all this other shit on you, which I understand. I get it. Vaccines are healthy. Vaccines are good. Vaccines are a, a, a valuable part of society and have allowed society to continue forward. 
Now, when you were going to college, not that I give a shit about college now, college had a thing called uh, meningitis. It was devastating. Just killed people. Just killed students. Boom. Go to college, get meningitis, dead. Just dead. You have things like penicillin. Penicillin is not a vaccine, but penicillin for a very long time was a cure-all. Discover it, study it, put it into put it into practice. This is what medicine does. Vaccines against polio. These are valuable things. You know, tetanus boosters. These are valuable things. But people have to be skeptical every time something brand new comes out and all of a sudden you're forced. It's forced on you to take it. Now, of course, if you work for a healthcare agency, it's more common than not, unless you have some type of other thing that you can't do. Generally, if you have to if you want to work for a healthcare company, you have to get a flu shot. But flu has been around forever. The vaccine is if for the flu shot, the vaccine is well, from what I understand, it's basically useless, but it's also harmless. So, as long as it's harmless, it's no big deal. But, it doesn't harm me. But then again, why the fuck take it? Why are we doing this? Is this just a money grab? I don't know. But, it's one of those things. Blood drives. Blood drives I deem, I deem to be very valuable. However, if you want my blood, my awesome ass O blood, you're going to have to pay for it. You want my platelets? You're going to have to pay for it. You want anything from me? You better fork up with some cash. These are things that, well, that's capitalism. If you want my blood, it's going to cost you. So, but as far as lately, I'm very skeptical hippo right now of all of it. Of all of it. Especially a company that, look, when it comes to fraud, pharmaceutical companies are at the forefront. They got the corporate lobbyists, they got the drugs, and they're just they're just car salesmen. That's basically what they are. They're full of shit, okay? And they're full of shit with super deep pockets. So obviously I'm not going to trust them, especially since they caused the great painkiller pandemic, okay? Basically shoving fucking painkillers and oxys and opiates down people's throats. All right. How many people How many people are hooked on anti-anxiety, anti-epileptic, antidepressant, you know, painkillers, antipsychotics? Everyone. What kind of damage do you think that's doing to the body? How vulnerable do you think that makes the individual, especially during a time where anybody with some type of morbidity or comorbidity right now is at risk. And then you put these this medic these medications in their system, whether it's blood thinners or statins or, or, or blood pressure medication or cholesterol medication or any type of medication, when it's something that they can solve themselves. I mean, it, it I have a, it's not a conspiracy theory. They got fucking, they settled a case, a fraud case for $2.3 billion. And another company just a year ago settled a massive Oxycontin case where the company had to disband. Had to disband because of the criminal activity they were conducting when it came to fucking hardcore painkillers. 
So you have every right to question these companies when they say something, when they say anything. So, I mean, what do you expect? I get it. There's a lot of idiots out there that think it's all a conspiracy. Look, with all the bullshit going on lately, I don't blame them. And quite frankly, it's up to them to decide what they want to do with their lives. I mean, there's 400 million Americans. You're going to tell every single one of them what to do? Good luck. We're a stubborn bunch. We're not Canadian. Anyway, we're at 34 minutes. Um, I didn't get to the Apple uh, news about, you know, their iPhones and their picture messaging and all that shit. We'll probably get to that uh, in another episode. Um, oh, by the way, I just posted some stuff on my uh, on my new channel, my Positive Sarcasm Reaction channel. Go ahead and check that out if you're a fan of, like, music reactions. Just music reactions. That's all I do there. So if, you want, if you're interested in that type of stuff, go ahead and check that out. I'm usually a little more... Uh, excited when I do music reactions than other channels are. So if you're in that type of thing, go ahead and check it out. Positive Sarcasm Reactions. Uh, if you want to support the website, simple. PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. If you're looking for posing music because you're a fitness competitor, go to PositiveSarcasm.com and just look up posing music. Or just shit. If you look up posing music on the internet, I'm the first one that pops up. So there you have it. I'm the best. I'm the best. Anyways. Let's go ahead and get some dig Q&A. Thank you to those who have uh, who pushed the articles this weekend for me. Uh, made my week easier. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. But we will close up shop the old-fashioned way. Dig Q&A. Can I exclude my fiancé's grandmother from our wedding reception because she's old? My fiancé, 30 male, and I, 28-year-old female, are getting married next month. Everything is going great. But we've been having a serious argument about having his grandmother at our wedding. We've agreed to not have kids at our wedding, as we want the reception to be a huge party for your adult friends and family with dancing, loud music, and an open bar. Now, full disclosure, I have been to a wedding or weddings where kids were not allowed. And guess what? Everybody was fine with it, and it was a fucking blast. So, that being said, let's continue on with this question. However, for precisely the same reasons that we don't want kids there, I don't want his elderly grandmother at our wedding either. I said she can come for the ceremony, but not the reception. It will be extremely loud, and I want it to be a party atmosphere. And she will be extremely out of place. For context, none of my grandparents are still alive, and he has, and he still has his last living grandmother. This has caused a huge fight, since she said... She has always dreamed about being at her grandson's wedding. He is her oldest grandchild, and she probably won't make it to the next family wedding. Aww. Which is why I said that she's more than welcome at the ceremony, but she will just be too out of place at the reception. She and he both insist that she will be fine and wants to go to the party, but I just know it would inevitably lead to us dealing with her and taking care of her, and I just want to get drunk and let loose with my friends. Okay. She's now really she's now really upset and won't talk to me. And my fiance is also angry. I think I'm in with in my rights to make this request. I am the bride after all. I don't know if that last sentence was okay. Well, look. 
I get that you're making this request. You made the request. If you don't want to have to deal with it at the wedding, okay, fine. If he wants his grandmother there, then okay. Look, you've already made a, a stipulation that no kids can be there. That's a big one. That's a big one. And you got everybody on board with that. Great. Great, great, great. And if the only person, and if you just want to get drunk at your wedding and go have at it, then go have at it. It's his grandmother. It's his grandmother. You go say hi to her. You say, thank you for coming. Love you very much. I'll see you at your funeral. And then you go get blasted on fucking, uh, 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 what are those, or on, on those White Claws or Trulies. Whatever bullshit seltzer you guys, you you kids drink nowadays. Uh, but yeah, you kind of made a bigger deal out of it more than it needed to be, and now she's pissed at you, which means you got some apologizing to do, because you're basically saying that you, I mean, I get you being at the ceremony, I get it, but you're fighting a battle that, well, you're not gonna win. And if this is the only compromise that you have to make, I'd say let it be. I'd say let it be, back down, and even though you're the bride after all, that's not a smart approach. So I think you should kind of take it down a notch and make yourself out to be a a, a, a stoic bride instead of a bridezilla. Let's move on to the next one. Should I stay with my immature boyfriend for the sake of his 12-year-old daughter who's seven years younger than me? My college was shut down during my freshman year because of COVID. My boyfriend let me move into his house since I have to move out. I had to move out of the dorms. He was in his, He's in his mid-40s and has a big house and family money. So I thought it was the perfect solution. After living with him, everything I, I once liked about him annoys me. I realize he still acts like a frat boy. Now that everything's opening up, I want to break up and leave. The problem is he has a 12-year-old daughter who is really attached to me during the year. She talks to me about everything, and we hang out a lot. She said multiple times that she doesn't know how he would have coped during lockdown without me. Her dad doesn't really hang out with her, and even though she gets to see her friends now, the idea of her having the influence of other middle school, ki- middle school kids freaks me out. I'm only seven years older than her, but I remember being 12 and unsupervised, and I want to, her to have an adult she can talk to. Her dad has told me in the past that if I leave him, he gets really para- paranoid about he gets really paranoid about me cheating. I'll never get to see her his daughter again. This is the reason I'm still here. It makes sense to me that he keeps from me since I'm not legally her stepmom. What do I do? <clears throat> well, yeah. So, oh boy. See, this is a situation that um, I can kind of relate to. Um, so, but Look, the fact is, is it's not your kid. It's not your kid. Now, this 12-year-old daughter, you have to understand something. She's 12. You're young. You're only 7 years older, and he's in his 40s. He's obviously 
got problems. But fact is, is if you're in a relationship that you don't want to be in, and you're not cheating, and you're not doing things that you weren't supposed to do, you just want to leave the, the relationship and be done with it, you have every right to do so. And nobody would look down upon you for doing that. But you are going to lose that communication with his daughter. I don't think he'll shape up. I don't think he'd improve. If he did, it'd be great. He'd really have to go a long way. What you have to say to the girl, the, the daughter is this. Um, I, I, I love you to pieces. And I, I want to be a part of your life. But your father won't allow it. Your father won't allow it. Um, so when you get older or when you're able to contact me, you contact me. Because you've, if you've known this 12-year-old girl for a really long time, she understands you, she knows who you are, and she needs advice, she needs help. And if, and, and if 12-year-olds and young teens are good at anything, it's communication. <laughs> oh, let me explain. They know the internet better than anybody. They know how to get in contact with people. They know how to find other people. If she wants to contact you and wants to stay in touch with you, then you make every effort to at, to advocate for her and make sure you stay in contact with her and see her as much as possible. If you do that, then she'll always be part of your life. And if she's only 12, it's six years. Six years, that's it. Six years and she can be a part of your life. You can be her aunt or her friend or whatever. And she'll always be in your life. You can always be there for her. So she understands who you are, what you want to do, what you have to do. That's, think about it. If she, if you're seven years old, you're 19 and she's 12, 12, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's right, unless I'm reading it wrong. Unless the brandy hits me hard, has hit me too hard. But um, as far as that goes, hmm. I'm just trying to think about it rationally. Yeah, you guys are pretty much you're near the same. I mean, by the time you guys are in your 20s, you'll be relatively on a similar platform. So yeah, make every effort to keep her, keep them in close in contact, and do the best you can. And if you lose, you lose. But make it known that you're there, and that you'll be there whether it is six months until you two talk again or six years. But make sure you're available. Let's move on to the next one. But fuck the guy. Should I ask my estranged sister to decorate the donkey with flowers or feed the longhorns at my daughter's wedding? Where the hell is this going? My extended family has a history of division. Of people not speaking to one another for years. Well, my family was the same way. <laughs> so well, let's keep going. I'm, a gener I'm, a I'm guilty of this too. It's a multi-generational pattern I'd like to end for the next generation. We are joyfully planning our daughter's upcoming wedding. Unfortunately, there was one burr in the saddle. Where the fuck are we? Texas? One of my sisters has decided not to speak to me for uh, or our other sister. We love her husband. Her daughter is the bridesmaid. I have just learned that our mutual friend, from a mutual friend, that our, quote, silent sister is coming to the wedding. I believe that is a very good thing. 
I don't want my silent sister to feel awkward, lurking about the fringes like a coyote in the brush. Where are these people? Chip and Joanna Gaines. My thought is to invite all family members in the group email, including the sister, to volunteer for enjoyable tasks on the wedding day, such as decorating the donkey with flowers and or feeding the longhorns so they show up for the photographer. My only worry is that she'll attempt to create further drama and will not rise to the occasion. It's tricky. Do I just let her isolate, or should I welcome her into the joy of the occasion? I want to focus to be on my daughter and want to be kind of inclusive. You can always ask, offer to volunteer, but don't expect them to do anything. If they just if they show up, great. That's all. That's all you're trying to do. And as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to weddings, it's pretty straightforward. It's all about the bride and the groom. That's it. Everybody else is a guest. If there's food and booze, that's it. That's what you deserve. You're a guest at the wedding. Simple as that. Make sure that the bride and groom are happy. They don't have to cater to everybody else. I think that's how it should be. Because it's their day. It's their commitment to one another. As far as like the bridesmaid, and the groom, and the mother and the father... Well, they're bouncers, per se. And their job is to make sure nobody starts shit. And if anybody starts shit, then it's the job of the bridesmaid, the bride and groom, and the mother and father to put those people out, since we're talking about donkeys and longhorns, out to pasture. So that way, none of that drama makes the wedding day harder for the bride and the groom. So you invite them, you offer them to be of assistance and be part of it. If not, Kick them to the curb. Or just be happy they showed up. Or didn't. What time we got? Let's do let's like do one more, I think. Whoa, what is that? Hold on a second. Oh no, I'm not that one I I'm not ready for that one yet. Let's do this one. Should I pre- <laughs> Oh, boy. Should I pursue a relationship with a guy who had a three-way with my son and daughter-in-law? I recently met a man on a dating site. He's younger, but I think I'm over that part. When we first started talking, when I asked him his last name, it sounded familiar, and I asked if he had relatives near where my son lives. I mentioned my son's name, and he said he knew him and his wife, and one of his grandkids went to school with my grands. Fast forward to more intimate talks, namely a three-way. After his divorce, he had one. Not a problem for me. Anything before me is none of my business. It's who he had it with that is my problem. It was with my son and my daughter-in-law. Oh! Jesus Christ! So I'm having a big problem with that. Shocked isn't the word for it. I would have thought that they were the most vanilla sex people I could think of. According to the new guy, they are on several hookup sites, etc. etc. I haven't seen them since I found out. This isn't going. This is going to be hard. <laughs> hard. I'm not bringing it up. Just just knowing it isn't. Come on, buddy. Come on. Up. It is going to be hard. I'm not going to bring it up. I know it's going to be strange. Now back to the guy. I'm beginning to really like him. How are you now? But how do I have a relationship with somebody that slept with my family? We have agreed that the subject never comes up again. I've been a widow for three years. I've had a few dates in the last year, but this one only seems like it might go beyond dating. All right. 
<sighs> well, look. Um, I think I would probably have a problem with it. No, I definitely have an issue with it. As far as you, if it eventually just fades away into the background, so be it. But if it just continues to be in the forefront and you just can't get over it, then you need to end the relationship. Because that shit can fuck with you for a long time. Then again, there are some couples that get over cheating. They're willing to work at it and their relationship is stronger than ever. But this is something that just, it might eat at you and it, you know, it might just, you might have to call it a day. I don't know what else to tell you, but that's sometimes how these relationships, well, fall apart. You brought it up. So obviously it's eating at you. He is an old, he is a younger guy though. So maybe as he gets older, he starts to show more maturity. And as he shows more maturity, he shows more, more restraint and respectability. And then he becomes a different person, more of the guy you were looking for. That's always a possibility. So tighten up your shoelaces and, and tough it out for another three to six months and see how things go. Okay? I think that would be the best approach to go at it. And on that note, I think it would be the, uh, the great place to end this episode. Thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. You can find me anywhere where podcasts are available. You know, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, OnlyFans, just kidding, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict. Like I said, anywhere where podcasts are available. You can also hit this up through YouTube. I subscribe to Rockfin, but I don't know if they've, allowed, if they've granted me access to upload content yet, but I upload this to Facebook and to YouTube every single week. So, like, subscribe, share, donate, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. So, in the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing, and I'll talk to you all in the next episode. Remember, Positive Sarcasm, Positive Sarcasm Podcast, and the all-new Positive Sarcasm Reactions. Like I said before, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. I'll talk to you all next week. Congratulations on making it through summer. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. You and I in a little toy shop Buy a bag of balloons with the money we've got Set them free at the break of dawn To one by one they were gone Back at base, box in the software Flash the message, something's out there Floating in the summer sky 99